let me know when we're recording. Yep. Welcome, welcome, faithful listeners, to Podtoid 147. Joining me tonight are Simit Sarkar. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Did you just see that for the first time or something? Yeah, on uh, Sunday at uh, a Detroit New York party. It was, <laughs> it was something. I'll Jim, tell you wait, what, what is this? The Room. You haven't seen The Room? No. Oh, it's like it's the it's like the the, the, the worst yeah. best. I saw it with riff tracks. Oh. So that was yeah, so it's a, I'm very riff tracks. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's the that's the movie they played on Adult Swim on like yeah, Fool's yes, Day, right? exactly. Oh, okay, yep. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. You've got to you've got to see it. Um, I will do that. Aaron Lindy is with us. Well, uh, what's up, Jim Sterling? Uh, pleasure as usual to be on this free podcast. No matter what happens on it, remember you didn't pay for it. <laughs> Two hours of admittedly tin pot and shitty entertainment, but it is free. Tough for Good, isn't it? Bargain. Word. Uh, the lovely Adam Dork is recording. Hello. And so, game. Uh, Brad Nicholson's here also. <laughs> hey, I forgot to mention I'm a Brad Nicholson. Small part of this show. Yeah, soon to change. So, okay, so just right off the bat, I mentioned that there would be like you know changes to the podcast uh, in the in the pre-show post. The changes are as follows. Um, and this is actually the first time I'm like officially announcing most of this stuff, so be super Deep excited. breath. Deep, Deep breath. breath. Oh, shit. Um, so sometime in the next couple months, I'm going to leave Destructoid and Podtoid entirely and go work for Gearbox Software on stuff that I can't talk about. And um, that means that the I'm not going to be able to host anymore, obviously, so that means that Brad Nicholson is going to be the new host of Podtoid, and Lindy is going to be leaving at the same time that I am. Um, do you want to say anything about that, Lindy? Oh yeah, well uh, the the deal is essentially that I was I was promoted into a new role at Microsoft Game Studios in in January and stuck around out of the goodness of my heart um, because I I I well I, who the fuck am I kidding I hate you assholes but I'm talking about I'm talking about you you, got, you, you guys not the not the audience because I would never insult them um, but uh, so I'm short on time and exhausted all the time now and I just figured that uh, since things are changing now is a good time for me to uh, gracefully exit. Under uh, you know basically so long as you're doing it, I want to be cool like you. Andy. Yeah, you're basically just a copycat little fucking. That's a, yeah, yeah. You're um, a biter. Hey, bullshit! I, wor- I worked for a game uh, game studio before. Yeah, you so. were developing games before that shit was cool. That's right. Um, but yeah, uh, also <laughs> Joseph Larey uh, is going to come on as a permanent cast member. Hopefully, when I'm still hosting, because I'm going to host a couple more episodes. Our very my very final episode as host will be a Super Mario Brothers movie commentary. Our Maybe our very last one, my very last one, to be certain. Uh, and ideally, the Ray will be on some of those because he's fun to have on. I would like to be on when he's on. Um, but other than that, the format's going to totally change when when Nicholson gets involved. Uh, it's it's I've seen I've seen the way it's going to change. It actually looks really kind of cool and much tighter, much different. Hell yeah! Um, and yeah, I mean that's just you. Know, he's I, changing the name to Quick Hits. Yeah, it just, it's, it's going to be quick as toyed. Um, it, but, it's going to be a minute and a half, and we're going to get all the discussions just out there. And we're yeah. just going to throw it in your feed, son. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I should, I should just quit the show now, shouldn't I? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, on an unrelated note, uh, we're still doing Hey Ash, just on a personal me note. Uh, even though I'm not going to be on Destructoid anymore, Hey Ash, what you're playing, is still going to go up on game trailers with the Destructoid logo and everything, so that's going to be fine. The only difference is that I'm not going to be on Destructoid.com posting stuff or hosting stuff anymore um yeah that's 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 pretty much at uh, that that as far as that it goes but uh games of the week let's just get back into the re- regular scheme of things um what has everybody been playing has anybody been playing anything interesting anything horrible um jim why don't you go first everybody always ends up leaving me you're just like my father 
Wish I'd never been born, Anthony. Um, this week I've been playing uh, <laughs> lots of uh, iPod Touch games on my iPod Touch uh, because I now have everything. Um, pretty much every, every system. The, the iPhone gaming market was the only thing I hadn't conquered, so I am now um, the super perfect life form. iPad. Shut up, I'm the super perfect life form. Didn't you hear the last sentence? <laughs> I, I just did. I got and you, I'm brother. Perfect. S-T-P-L. Stipple. That's me. I'm Stipple. Stipple. Um, staple. Yeah. Staple. S- supple breasts, what? I'm a staple of this show, unlike some fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga. That was actually really good. That was. Um, what I just said. It was. I have to <laughs> give you that. Um, you know, I'm due one every five episodes. Um, yeah, so lots of iPod Touch. I've been playing Doom 2 RPG, which I like. I've been uh, obsessively playing Doodle Jump, which is the perfect video game, and I might uh, write some pros on that. Um, also been playing a lot try, of... Non- you should try the iPad version of Doodle Jump, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's too expensive. I, I got the iPod Touch specifically because it was the middle ground. Like, I've got a phone, and I don't, I don't need a big thing. So that is what I got. Um, but anyway, I've been playing Nova, which I like. Um, I'm just really surprised with how well that works on just a touch screen. Like, it works better than any FPS did on the PSP. Um, it works better than some FPSs on consoles. Like, it's got loads of first-person platforming in it, which I thought would be rubbish, because I hate first-person platforming. It works better than the uh, first-person platforming in Mirror's Edge, um, because they kept it simple, and they didn't... Um, didn't try and make it too complex. It was geared perfectly for the the input, the interface, and yeah, really good. Uh, I mean, I'm really impressed with everything GameLoft's done on the uh, iPod, iPad, and all that business. Um, they really are good at crafting fully fledged retail style experiences on uh, portable, uh, downloadable systems like uh, this and DSiWare. So yeah, impressed with that. Uh, played Splinter Cell: Conviction, of course, um, which I reviewed. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I, the review is up on Destructoid, read it, I was very impressed, I've never been a big fan of uh, the Splinter Cell series, but that one really nailed it, the, the whole Arkham Asylum thing, and, and the, the multiplayer as well, which I wasn't expecting to like at all, but the whole uh, dynamic between those two characters and, and working with another guy uh, in a stealth environment somehow works, so... That's it. Basically, just my iPod Touch and and that. And I played some PC games, but no one cares. Topher. Hmm. I've been playing PHP Hero Four. <laughs> the style sheetening. <laughs> I know so little about like website cutting. For a second, I thought that was really like a JRPG or something. Yeah, same like here. It, I thought it, there was some it weird. Fucking Topher. might as well be. <laughs> it's, if you, it's been. I used to have a website like probably 10 years ago and I knew all that shit like HTML and I was like savvy with that shit. Now everything that I know is useless because none of that shit is used. It's all fucking different now. So it's like, fuck website. I can do that. Uh, No, it's all like in French now. So I have to learn this whole new fucking coding language. Topher, did did you have a GeoCities website with, no. Preloaded audio. You can and stop there. No. Flash animations. No. Hello, my future no. girlfriend. Yeah. All right. Um, Lindy? Oh, not a whole lot. It's been a really busy week. Uh, busy, yeah. Monday, my, last Monday, my, my life went to hell. Um, so uh, I recovered with uh, 
some Splinter Cell, though. That was a lot of fun. And Anthony and I, uh, we went through the uh, co-op campaign together, and then after that, uh, dipped our feet into the um, uh, the competitive uh, multiplayer modes, which I, you know, had almost as much fun, if not more, uh, than co-op, just because it was so it was so well put together. Um, the uh, what was the Anthony? Help me out. What's the? Oh, it's not. Face Off, that's it. It's not, yeah, I wanted to say Hunter. It's not Hunter. So Face Off, uh, really cool. And for anybody who is not familiar with it, essentially the idea is that you are um, uh, on one of these multiplayer levels or co-op levels. I'm not quite sure. I think they're exclusive to the multiplayer. But anyway, um, uh, so it's populated with a bunch of battos, and then there's you and the other guy. And the goal is to accumulate points by taking out the battos or taking out each other. So you kind of have to manage, I mean, you're, you're fighting on two fronts, basically. Like, you have to make sure you don't get yourself, you know, get your ass handed to you uh, by just the, the random dudes that are spawning everywhere. And on top of that, you have to make sure that Anthony doesn't come up behind you and break your fucking neck. But it's going to happen. Um, but it's going to happen, and it'll happen a lot. And it's, it's uh, but it, the funny thing was, I was, and I told Anthony this, that, like, I, he was kicking my ass, oh, so hard. And uh, but in any other game where I would have gotten like really frustrated and just been like, oh fuck this shit, I can't believe this. Like, it, despite the fact that I felt I felt utterly brutalized by both the AI and and Anthony, I was still having like a really good time, which to me is a testament to uh, the uh, just just how well designed that mode is. It was uh, a lot of fun. So we uh, played some of that. What else did I do? Uh, I really do think that's maybe one of the best PvP modes I've ever <clears throat> experienced in the game. I, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's. It, it, it's uh, put together in such a way that ratchets up the tension so much more than I thought it was going to be. Like, um, just just because you can never really relax, even after like. And the funny thing is, and it, it, like, so if I if I see you and I'm like, ah, there that asshole is, and then I shoot you and kill you, all of the dudes that you were running from and fighting are now my best friends, yeah, and raping me in the face. So like. It's it's interesting because it, with every encounter, be it with you know you alone or the the your uh, uh, your opponent alone or the enemy AI or a combination thereof, you have to make you know a different kind of calculated decision um, as to you know whether or not you want to expose yourself and whether or not you can afford to you know attempt to take out the other guy and then you know fend off uh, the assault from the rest of the dudes that are you know everywhere um it's it's really interesting it it keeps you on your toes pretty much constantly and it's nerve-wracking but in a very good way like it's uh it's really engaging shit so uh and this is coming from somebody who has never really liked winter's felt much at all so i I was i was really impressed yeah it's very like more so than most games it it feels like a true extension of sort of the skills that the like the single player and the co-op entail like it's not like you know you play the single player and it's like this is a stealth game you know and then most games you get to the multiplayer and it's like forget everything you know because now it's just about you know shooting people wildly and it doesn't fucking matter anymore like, like you know it, yeah like riddick or like uh, battle gear online is very much of just fuck it now it's deathmatch yay right. like um yeah. this is still very very much a stealth game but it's an incredibly well paced and as lindy said incredibly tense uh kind of stealth game because it's not just you know find your find your enemy take him out it's like you actually have to sort of almost mathematically manage how many guys you think you can afford to kill without getting a whole crowd of dudes coming at you before you can like find the other dude and it's just it's a really great cat and mouse except both of you are cat and mice at the same time so it's some sort of i don't know it's what and and, uh and all of that is reinforced by the scoring system because if you die it doesn't matter how you die uh you will lose points so you basically staying alive is priority number one but um 
you get additional, you get more points for killing the other person than you do for killing the enemy AI. So you're incentivized to hunt out the other guy. Uh, you're incentivized to just take out, you know, I mean, there were, there were matches in which Anthony kicked my ass and never killed me once. Well, actually, I don't think there were matches. I think there was one match, but, um, be, just because like I, uh, you know, I died a couple more times than he did. So, uh, even though we never really came head to head, we were just busy dealing with the AI for the whole round. He still won. So it's like, you have to, I mean, you can't just, you know, Oh, whoops, I died, whatever. Like you have to really manage yourself and, and staying alive is just as important as, as killing other people. So it's like it, it, it between the scoring system uh, and just the this this whole you know war on three fronts kind of deal, it's uh, it it really changes how you look at it, how you look at a deathmatch sort of scenario and and how you approach it and what you what choices that you make. So yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I never. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I just want to add real quick. Ubisoft's always been really good about like those competitive modes and Splinter Cell games, uh, especially spies versus mercenaries, which they took out in this one. Correct. Yeah. Which is really weird to me because that that was that kind of mode that actually fed off of what you learned in the single player, you know, like Pandora tomorrow, etc. But they they've always been really really good at making like deep competitive modes that feel rewarding on both sides. Well, doesn't I? Don't, I mean, I don't know much about this because I've the only other Splinter Cell game I've ever played is uh, the, like the first one on PS2. But um, wasn't Spies versus Mercs like really kind of? Like difficult to figure out, and it was it was well. There was a there was an was interview well, for, some for hardcore web, people, sort of yeah. hardcore players, basically. There's an interview from some site I can't remember now, uh, which makes me feel douchey that I'm not going to be able to credit them. But they interviewed Patrick Redding, the uh, the guy who's sort of in charge of the co-op and the multiplayer modes and stuff like that. And he said that yeah, like Spies vs. Mercs was great, but it was also super super hardcore. So if you came into that like two weeks after the game came out, sorry, like everybody's way better than you, and you will never be able to learn anything mm. because they're fucking so yeah. weak. I, and, it, and it seems like the 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 entire sort of ethos behind Conviction's design was to make the game you know more accessible. Yeah. So you know, it, made, it makes sense. Well, I mean, not only that, but like the even the base mechanics. Like, I don't even know if you could do a Spy versus Mercs with Conviction's mechanics because it's not like you have the same tools that were available in in Chaos Theory. It's not even the same pacing. It's not the same. Like, I mean, the mark and execute. How would that even like work in a, in a Spy versus mm. Mercs thing? Like, it's just it's a totally different sort of. Thing I, I guess they could have just put it in just for the fuck of it. And that would have been really cool. But I'm I'm so happy with Face Off that I can't even really complain. Like I, I, I think the only thing that made Spies versus Mercenaries, at least in uh, you know the last the last two uh, Splinter Cells before this one, was the unconventional level design. Like the way they constructed some of those competitive levels, where where you know I I, I played that game a lot, or at least the last one a lot, like hours and hours and hours. And you know even a month after it came out, I would discover a new route to get to an objective. Or to sneak around a merc, and that's kind of crazy. Like if I, if I'm playing that game hours a day, and then all of a sudden I'm like, "Yo, there's a pipe right there." I didn't know that, but I like that. that that's a problem. And I think that was always the issue, but still, super tight. I mean, all you have to do is memorize routes and just try to interpret what the other character is going to do. It, it, it's neat, at least real high tension kind of stuff. I I just have one que- one last question about face off. So. The only two playable characters are John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. And then you take his face off. Off. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Anthony, Why make is that with. funny? Welcome to Earth. That's fucking so, hilarious. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you ever seen Face Off? 
Yeah, it, like the I mean it is. Achievement but... of the twentieth century. <laughs> that if... movie is wall to wall balls out hilarious. I'm almost oh no, it's just it's the only bad. way to make literally the only way to make that movie better is that the exact mathematical halfway point of it just put in Will Smith punching the alien in Independence Day and saying "Welcome to Earth" and then resume the rest of the movie as. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way you could improve that movie any further. Um, but Topher, what have you been playing? Oh no, you already said yes. PHP. Ah, okay, submit. Yeah, although I have been, I I played. Uh... No, I didn't play anything. I played Tetsuya <laughs> Deathlabel on my DS at my grandma's house during dinner. You're a terrible host, Anthony. Maybe someone else should do it. Yeah, maybe they. Should. <laughs> maybe I should leave. Maybe you should go to Hollywood and go work on a game <laughs> that, or something. Nicholson's new nickname for me, I just found out today, is Hollywood. Like, he came up with that today, and every and all of our chats today, he, he ended it with comma Hollywood, period, because Wait a that's, so that's like, my name now. Regardless of the fact that Gearbox is located in Plano. Plano, Texas. Right. I'm, no, I'm so, Hollywood. Wait, no, no, under the... So you're going to have to move to Texas? Yeah. I'm confused. Under that, under that same uh, logic, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't you call me Hollywood as well, or, you know? No. Nope. Because I don't live in Hollywood, but... You know, huh? I don't 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 be get jealous of my fucking nickname because I'm, I'm Hollywood now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just I'm wondering about there's a taxonomy here that I don't quite understand because you don't you're not going to be going to ho- whatever. I don't. I don't think it's about I, you him being a. Dog. The irony is that somebody who looks like you would never be allowed in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to make you shave your beard, right, Anthony? If this I leave, if I, I'm pretty sure if I leave the gearbox like building and go ten miles in any direction, I will be in significant danger. Like just does with, that with, mean you're moving? By the way, Anthony. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going. You'll to be one state over. You'll be really near. Yeah, I'll be able to come and cuddle you, <laughs> or just just come. Um, but yeah. Wow. I, oh, I just got that. Yeah, I feel. No, I feel. Oh I, wow, that was like you. You were riding high on the face-off thing, and was like nothing <laughs> can stop me now. Nope. And um, then you hit a brick wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I've been getting a lot of warnings from my family about you know my, maybe getting lynched. Or... And I can't believe that Gearbox has hired you to. Oh, oh, oh. Yep, pretty much. Okay, so submit. Oh yeah, video games. Uh, so I've been playing. You know, still Bad Company Two, inching ever closer to that. You know, forty-eight hour mark for the uh, in-game thing. And that's the, that's the kind of the problem I'm, I'm having with the game right now is because I've unlocked or rather ranked up all my classes. That you know now I'm, I'm only getting. Uh, the, the uh, points toward my overall rank and not like unlocking any new guns or, or you know um, perks or whatever and and you know I wonder like because I I played Modern Warfare two for two for fifty hours and like you know I wasn't tired of it I just like moved on to something else and that game obviously is like fucking carrot on a stick to the umpteenth power you know it's like you're always unlocking something and or and there's always something to unlock um, and you know I wonder if if um, with you know, maybe some future paid DLC or something for Battlefield. They'll they'll add. Um, I mean, I don't know if they'll add weapons because you know, that might be a balancing issue. But I, I don't know. I, I want to unlock some. They're shit. not going to support that game. It's over. Well, I mean, they they got a patch coming out on Wednesday for PC. P- uh, right? For PC. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Sorry, they're I, done. I don't think they're, about they're you done with the game. game. Yeah. It's over. It's Medal of Honor time. They always leave their console games behind. Yeah, I. You know, who knows? Um, I'm still holding that hope, but we'll. You know. Um, I, I imagine they'll, you know, they'll put up some more maps later on because the only thing they've done so far was the day one deal, or not the day one, but the anti-mapathy map pack, which was just uh, part of their, like, if you bought it new, you know, you'd have to pay the money for it. Oh, like, they'll like, put the three weapons that are already on the disc as DLC out. Yeah, and well, they'll what? do that, but that's it. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, still playing that multiplayer. Still have not touched the single player at all. Um, MLB 2K10, still playing that. And, uh, play, you know, played online this evening. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I said before that I had, a, like, a lag-free game. And then I mentioned something about, the, like, the, the, the pitching or whatever, or the, the hitting. And it was even worse. Like, I didn't, again, it, like, the experience was, was lag-free in terms of it wasn't stuttering. But it's just the problem is it doesn't seem to recognize your inputs when you're swinging. Like, I was, I, I would just, like, hit, I'd flick the analog stick upward to swing and it would, you know, he wouldn't swing, and I would get like very late swing all the time, which means that I'd have to just fucking swing and you know assume that a fastball was coming, and if it was a breaking ball, well then I'd be way out in front of it and I'd miss it badly. So um, that's something that you know they have to work on. Um, and let's see, last Thursday I went to uh, MTV headquarters in Times Square and checked out Green Day Rock Band. Uh, played a bunch of that. Um, played like three songs on drums and how horrible is it? Um, so I'm, I'm a huge Day. It's Day. very horrible. I'm a huge Green Day fan, so I'm. Oh, you know, I'm <laughs> oh man! Um, I love like, Lindy's disappointed in you noise. Um, oh, oh. I, no, like whatever. I did. I'm I'm comfortable <laughs> with what I like. Um, but uh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I didn't like their most recent album as much, but um, I like Phil Collins. I'm just gonna throw that just, out there. I I'm really just shocked like Phil that. Collins. Yeah, I like Phil Collins too. But I'm, just, I'm yeah, just yeah, I, I, I like Phil Collins. <laughs> this is like now the Phil Collins podcast. <laughs> I'm shocked that Green Day is still fucking relevant. The last time that like I was even aware of Green Day before Green Day Rock Band came about was uh, like at 12, my right? ninth my ninth grade promotion ceremony. <laughs> um, so you you weren't aware of Green Day when American Idiot came out in 2004? No, no, no. I was aware of them, but I mean, like, I didn't think they were that fucking big anymore. I heard they did a new album, but whatever. But like, that's that's what I don't understand is that like Green Day has never been all that huge in my head. It's kind of like if they did you know Rock Band Cheryl Crow or something, uh, some shit or you know. <laughs> Uh, sure, fucking, I don't know. Natalie Merchant Singstar. Well, yeah, I, I, think, I mean, I think it's well, not necessarily a reaction. Here's, here's the problem: it's not rock band like fucking pavement, and that Led, Zepp- or Led Zeppelin or something. Yeah. Oh fuck, um, Led Zeppelin, rock band pavement, or okay. rock band Radiohead. I'll take that too. Yeah. Well, the th- the thing is, uh, you know, it's it wouldn't be right for me, or it wouldn't be accurate for me to say that it's a reaction because obviously this game has been in in development uh, since before Beatles came out. But you know, you saw Beatles rock band. They Fucking MTV put millions of dollars into marketing that game to, like, they, it was on QVC. You know, they really wanted to sell it to, to you know, your the older generation, um, who, you know, who grew up with the Beatles or whatever. And it, it didn't sell, you know, nearly as well as people th- thought it wouldn't, as nearly as well as MTV or Harmonix hoped it would. So, you know, um, I, I think that they sort of, you know, started development on Green Day sort of as a, as a, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? A sa- you know, safety net or a fallback in case Beatles didn't sell because Green Day. I, you know, whether or not you think it's they're relevant, uh, I, th- I think they're they're a band that um, is. Uh, um, well, yeah, whatever. You, exactly, whatever you want to say that you know they're 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 a band that, that can probably sell some copies of that game. See, that's, um, it's, but that's especially the thing is that is it? Yeah, like they're they're targeting that broader audience, and that's great and grand at all. But they uh, they don't like the fucking whatever. I mean, I'm I'm totally cool with it because you can, un- unlike Beatles, you can export the songs into Rock Band. The fee is ten dollars to do it, and there are forty-seven on-disc songs. But if you pre-order the game, like if you really want it and you really want those songs to play in Rock Band Two, you can pre-order the game at GameStop, and that will waive the fee. Um, That's so you know, fucking if, sleazy. Well, I mean, if, but if you if you're a Green Day fan, you're gonna you're gonna buy the game anyway. Why not, right? Um, but um, but anyway, uh, so you know, I played it. It's 
it's similar to the, uh, the Beatles in that you know you've you've got like um, photos and vi- videos uh, that you can unlock while you're playing through the career mode, which is cool to me. It's really fun to see like these you know publicity stills. How's it? How's it differ? Mike Durant from uh, um, well, so it's got the stuff that Beatles had in it uh, in terms of like you know the improvements. It it, it does have vocal harmonies, which is nice. Because um, I mean, while Green Day is not known for their intricate, layered vocals, it's it's just fun to sing like you know the whatever major third harmony that they do, the simple stuff, you know. Again, and because uh, that's Green Day is such a like a, a good sing along band, like you know Weezer or whoever or anybody else. So, but I mean, yeah. yeah otherwise, I mean, when, when I asked Chris Foster, the, the project leader, I was like, you know, what's the pitch? He's like, it is rock band with Green Day, and I was like, all right, sold. That that but that's me, and obviously, you know, you're you're miles me varying. Um. And um, otherwise, uh, oh, I, I did want to, I, I didn't get to mention this because I, I had to go last week. Um, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I saw Crisis 2 at, uh, at an EA uh, big event in New York City where like, they invited people from every, like, all around the world, like, press people, because it was the first time they were showing off the game. They were showing just the 360 version, which I thought was interesting. Um, and, you know, they've actually said, since then, they've come out and said, like, we're actually, the PS3 version is looking better than the 360 version, like, currently. You know, the game's not coming out until this holiday season. Um, but, you know, that's a thing. And, um, you know, so, the reason I'm, I'm just bringing it up, you know, I, I, this, I wrote a bunch of fucking shit on Crisis 2. You can go read it, uh, you know, including two full-length previews. But um, what I thought, you know, I, I, you, know you guys maybe want to discuss, or I, I thought... It was, was interesting to me, I, you know, and I wrote a story on this, is that um, the, the most recent trailer that they put out for the game, uh, to me, as someone who's a lifelong New York resident, had a lot of sort of um, imagery that was charged with, with 9-11. And, you know, I wrote the story, and it, most of the people, or not, or a lot of the people in the comments, and I, I was really sort of surprised and kind of shocked and like a little disgusted and saddened by this, but they're all like, fucking get over yourself, 9-11 was nine years ago, or... You know, almost ten, it'll be ten years this you know next year and, and what whatnot and you know fucking do you, you you can't make video games about New York's destruction or whatever and I'm like no that's not the question but for me the question is you know whether they're marking this I mean obviously yeah it's an alien invasion in New York and there's destruction but I just felt like there were very specific things in the trailer that were put there to evoke 9/11 and when I asked um, you mean the like maybe they're exploiting that whole. Thing. Right, right. Um, there was stuff uh, like, um, like. So one thing you're not allowed. I, I didn't know this, but I was talking to someone, uh, Chris Plant from UGL, and he was saying like, since 9/11 in New York, you are not allowed to film paper falling from the sky, um, unless it's like a ticker tape. Parade. Jesus Christ. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's because it's again very charged imagery um, for, for people in, in New York and whatnot. And, and there's that stuff in the trailer. There was, like, the Cloverfield kind of thing of, like, it opens with this wall of, like, photos, and it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so is missing, or meet up at Central Park for evacuation or some shit. Um, the funny thing about this is that the guy who's writing this, this, this science fiction novelist, like, just wrote recently, like, in an interview or something, was saying, like, how all other video game narratives are complete shit and, like, Halo's full of bullshit archetypical characters, which is kind of true, but, like, even just to be any sort of writer and slag off other writers, like, before you, your game is even out is pretty fucking yeah. Well, yeah, and then to come and, out with something. And then, the, yeah, and then if, if the one trailer that comes out is like, hey, 9-11 imagery, do, 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 this is how I'm going to be better than Halo, like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, and... The thing that, again, to me was it was just very, sort of very specific things in in the way that 
you know, the things that I saw on the trail. And, and when I asked the, um, Nathan Camarillo, who's ex- the executive producer, I asked him, like, you know, did you, like, act, were you actively trying to, you know, evoke or get, or get players to think of 9-11? He was saying that it, had, like, had nothing. And I also was suspicious because um, the trailer or the, the part of the game that we saw open and the date was, like, it was, like, 2023, but it was, like, the first week of September. And I was like, all right, I don't know. And and they were like, no, we just that was just the time of year that we wanted to pursue because it's you know. So what's it's, the it's, game like? Um, like I said, you, I mean, there's they've simplified some of the stuff from, from <laughs> he Crisis, doesn't know from Crisis One. Um, no, I'm just like that stuff. <laughs> I'm just no, I'm just giving you shit. I'm sorry. To, no, to me that stuff is like like you can read it in my previews. You know, I wrote like I said uh, that that stuff's the, uh, the the nuts and bolts of that you can check. Out. I just I don't know. I just was wondering if you Jim seemed to uh, uh, snort. At uh, at that stuff, I guess you're you're in you're in the camp of uh, get over yourselves, Jim, or what? I'm just saying, in the ten years they've spent going on about it, they could have built fifteen towers by now. <laughs> I mean, that that's certainly true. They they've been de- delayed on that for a long time. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be insensitive about it, but I'm just America has this kind of it loves its emblems and its symbols. Um, I don't know whether it's because America is a young nation, doesn't really have the history of other countries, and so they will cling to anything that is historic to them. Um, it's something that interests me a lot, the youth of America, and it's um, and how, it, um, as a powerful nation, it deals with that. And that seems to be part of it. it very um, obsessed with uh, iconography and um, statements and definitive dates and uh quotes and things um and and this is one of them and i and it just seems very cloying and very uh, mawkish um a lot of the stuff that comes out um to do with 9-11 and i'm certainly not uh belittling what happened um you know the actual event obviously that was an incredibly shitty uh thing that happened um that, that sounded insensitive just calling yeah. it <laughs> shitty it was a bad but, day yeah, it, it was like when um, one blog ran, like, somebody died and they put in quote, uh, in brackets, bummer. Um, <laughs> oh, shit, man. Which was, uh, um, so yeah, yeah, 9-11 was a bummer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was bad, but it's the fact that people go on and on and on about it until it kind of overshadows the event itself. I think it does something like 9-11 a disservice when you keep going on about it. It's better, I think, to, you know, just respectfully acknowledge it's there and move on. But, you know, every year, that every 9-11, it, it comes around um, and you've got the same tawdry specials and, and overly um, sentimental uh, nonsense. And... And, and, and they ascribe such importance to imagery. Like you said, they can't film paper falling from the sky um, because it might upset someone. And it's, I don't know, I just think it takes away from the, the momentousness of the actual occasion when you're focusing on these little things. When you're like, oh, don't film paper. Oh my God, a plane is flying a bit low over New York. Everyone panic. Like everyone go into hysteria and start crying. Um, I just think it takes away from from the actual 9-11. Uh, and I think it's just as tasteless to go over the top with taking it seriously than it does with uh, making light of it almost. I think that it, it's 
sometimes jokes are, are good. I, I, I think a joke by any means is okay, so long as it's, you're clear it's a joke and you're not going up in, in, into a 9-11 victim's face and saying, ha-ha, tower fell over or something, you know. Um, obviously, that's not on. Uh, but a joke is a joke. That's why it's called a joke. It's not serious. Uh, and I think some of the actual seriousness that goes on is is worse. Well, I mean, certainly the thing with in terms of jokes, yeah, jokes are great. And I I love um, sort of comedy that kind of is, is edgy and crosses the line. But but in, in this case, in the case of, of Crisis Two, you know, they're going for. Um, you know, they've said uh, actually. Richard Morgan, who was the writer, he was there at the event that I went to, and what he was saying is like, you know, they they want to create an uh, an emotionally charged story, and and that you know the reason that they picked New York was was it's because of it's this location that you know sort of this global city and and whatnot. Um, you know, Savat Yerli, the, the uh, CEO of, of Crytek, said, you know, if I would pick one city to protect, you know, it would be New York. Um, and and I've heard the place is dreadful. Um, you know, and, and so certainly, it's. I don't think there's anything but seriousness about you know the way that they're approaching the story and, and the story that they're, that they're trying to tell. And and I, I just want you know I'll, I'll I'm done, but I just want to cl- clarify a couple of just two points from the comments again. That you know, one thing I don't for for me like I wasn't saying like wh- whether or not people should be offended or whatever. I, I'm a believer that you know you, you know you you can't tell people that they should or shouldn't be offended by something, you know, if they, if they are going to be offended by it or if they're going to be, you know, hurt by it, then, you know, that's, you know, that's their feelings that, you know, it's, it's based on their personal experience or whatever. Um, and, you know, I definitely don't want, uh, I don't want to say, and I, I don't believe that, you know, we should like not make video games, um, about nine eleven or things like that, or, or, or make movies about, about, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't believe that at all. Um, but, I was just sort of putting the question out there because it's 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 smacked to me of maybe you know maybe there you know there's that line between um, you know yeah New York is an emotionally charged location that's why we're doing the alien invasion there and there's that line between you know that and having a serious story and then you know marketing the game and 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 the way and in the way in which they're doing it as sort of uh, you know a ploy to to draw emotion artificially because of, of the history of of this by proxy event from in New York. yeah. yeah. That's that's you know, I mean, just I, what I was, you know, more understanding. Speaking of nine eleven, I've been playing Flight Control for the iPad, and I tell you what, this game is pretty good. It's got like four new maps, and it's really easy to control your planes now because the iPad's so big. And I've also been playing Godfinger, which is Inji Moko's free to play title. You can totally download it for free. Check it out. It's basically like a god game, right? Where you use your finger to uh, make your followers do your bidding. Basically, it's a harvest simulation, right? So you'll. Uh, You'll have your followers build buildings. They'll make gold, use that gold, buy more buildings. And since it's free to play, it's got a funny business model. So you have to uh, spend a... You can buy gold by buying a a different allotment of points. They call it awe. But basically, when you buy awe, you can buy gold with real money. It kind of sucks because a lot of the high-order buildings take uh, literally days to build. Right, so if you want to buy like a stone barn, which generates like a certain amount, of, like a large amount of gold every hour, you can uh, you can build it with your own shit. But it takes uh, 24 hours with four followers, or uh, I think three days with one follower dedicated to building it, which is a really goddamn long time. Or you can spend like four bucks and just build it immediately. It's, probably that, the, it's, it's that sleazy microtransaction farmville shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Call and, it, uh, what's the word? Uh, freemium. 
or some bullshit. Oh, yeah. premium? Is that is that the cool that, new that is, premium? Yeah, I know. That just that word makes me die inside. It's it's a cool game because you can actually play it without having to dig into the the premium stuff, right? But it's also pretty shallow too. Like that 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 farm and barn structure that I I, I guess I didn't mention farm, but you start with farms and you move to barns. That's it. Like that's literally the game. There's only three barns, so eventually you'll you'll actually tap out uh, about eight hours into the game, like where you've built everything. Yeah, I, I played that shit a little bit and on my iPad, and I, I just yeah. I can't imagine anything less fun than I mean. Do you have buddies game. with it? Uh, yeah, a few. Like I see, I, like I that's, that's... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, no, I was no. just gonna say I, I I jumped onto the uh, the something awful thread and dropped in my username and got a bunch of buddies and I'm like ah oh, this is the same thing with other people. <laughs> the the uh, what what got me was oh, I've been playing with uh, Chris and uh, I don't want to name drop too hard you know so I'll just say Chris <laughs> Redfield. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, totally. Man. <laughs> that guy's got some wicked triceps. But anyway. <laughs> Want to mention like that competitive aspect? Like you'll you'll pull out, you'll zoom out in your map, and you can see your friends' planets. But even better, like you can visit them and check them out, see what they're doing. And I've been noticing that Chris has got like a mad amount of stone bars or stone bars, barns. Excuse me, I'm sick by the way. I got allergies. Apparently, the doctor just told me this. The uh, Brad Nicholson, he's got allergies. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. you're not invulnerable. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. But but anyway. Um, <clears throat> I see all the barns he has and realize that I, I think he's buying the shit. Like, I think this guy is literally, like, buying these buildings. He bought, like, $40 worth of gold and just went nuts. But I want to beat him. I want to beat him, like, the good old-fashioned Rocky way. So I'm, like, running up steps and shit, like, playing this game, like, every minute. Just trying to, like, get to that level. And I'm pretty damn close now. But I haven't looked at his planet for over 24 hours, just mainly because I don't want to shame myself. And, and I guess, lastly, on the iPhone front, and, or iPad front, you could check this out on MTV, but... I played Sam and Max, The Penal Zone, the first episode of the third season, which actually debuted on the iPad. I didn't know that until I was looking at the uh, review materials. It's pretty good. I guess it's not a port. Let me take that back. It's not a port of the Mac engine. They actually built this for the ground up for the iPhone. But it it still feels like a port because uh, it expects you to to, uh, have pinpoint precision, which is kind of hard to do when you can't zoom in the screen as much as you'd like to with the iPad because it still has that weird widescreen perspective of like monitors and stuff. You know, it's not as pulled in as it needs to be, I guess, for the platform. And you move with a virtual joystick. So basically you put your finger on the screen and then a virtual joystick will pop up and you have to move your finger around, drag it across the screen to move Sam, which, you know, is a pretty imprecise method of input. So you kind of like knock into walls and shit. There is an auto run option. So if you double click on a clickable object, then he'll just run to it automatically, which kind of negates that to some extent. But there's some action segments that require you to run by yourself. They're just frustrating. Uh, it's got audio screeches, and yet I guess the game runs a little slow. But that's about it. I mean, it's really cool. It, it's it's a good game, and if you're if if you're okay with those problems, and and they're they're small problems, I think you'll enjoy the shit out of it. Okay, um, that's it for the first half. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Break. All right, welcome back. Um, first, I want to talk about a blog post that uh, former GameSpot editor-in-chief and current does something at 2K Games, a uh, guy, Greg Kasavin, uh, wrote about villains in video games and how most villains are actually pretty awful in video games, or at least not memorable at all. And um, 
he sort of cited the fact that the concept of villainy is kind of dumb. It's not how the world works, blah, blah, blah. Um, but mainly, like, the, the way that we interact with villains in games, like, most of the time we're killing stuff. So if we meet a villain early on, like, in the way that you want to develop a villain, we either fight them and they get really close to the end uh, of their life bar and then they just run away or they do that bullshit thing where, like, you, you defeat them in gameplay but, like, in a cutscene they kick your ass and then run away. Or, you know, uh, like, you, you kill a, a separate antagonist who's supposed to be some sort of, like, henchman for the main antagonist, and you don't care about the main antagonist or whatever. And uh, he was basically saying that the best villains are the ones who are always present in the game and your experience, but aren't actually accessible until the very end, like Andrew Ryan and GLaDOS and um, Joker in Arkham Asylum. And I was wondering how you guys felt about this. Uh, what do you think makes a good video game villain? Do you think that most video game villains are not memorable and are not interesting? Uh, what what do you think makes them cool uh, or, or can make them better than, than they have been? Um, Brad, I'm going to randomly start with you. Nice. Uh, I'm always the uh, best person for these highbrow things that Hollywood talks about. <laughs> L- listen, I, I, I think the reason why we don't like villains is just because they're boring, just frankly. Uh, they just do evil things and laugh and walk away. We don't really have complex villains, or if we do, they're, they're uh, complex and like, are you saying in general, or are you saying just for video games mainly? No, I'm just talking about video games. I, I, hell, I don't even watch films, to be frank. Like, I, I don't even know what the hell goes on in that world. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, is, is they're always flat. And, and I think what Kasavin's doing... Uh, oh, shit. He's, he's doing the reboot of the uh, Walmart... Spec Ops. Spec Ops. Yeah. Right. Like, his villain is actually kind of interesting. I'm guessing this is why he's going on this tangent is, is because this guy's actually deranged, right? Where he, the, his villain thinks he's the good guy or that he's doing something good, right? He's got like some kind of mental defect. Is that, is that why he's talking about this or did he even pump his product? If that's the case, he didn't mention that at all. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's all. Well, he, he did say that these, those are the kinds of games I want to make with like, you know, villains, like cool villains, essentially. Right. And, and I guess to move on to that point is like, those are the kind of villains that I, I think we all can, or I guess we don't connect with, but we enjoy just because they do have that complexity of character. Mm-hmm. But those are rare, right? I, I guess to answer that question, the, those are just super rare. Who would you cite as, as, as villains like that? Like the same ones he talks about, like GLaDOS and Andrew Ryan and all that shit? Or would you think in uh, Andrew different Ryan's- Probably, probably the closest, and, and and he was he was cool just because he was uh, intriguing. I, I I didn't really ever see him as an evil guy, really. I I just I saw him as a as a guy that was past his prime and still holding on to a shred of hope that whatever he established could work. He, he was almost sad in a way. I never really felt anything towards him. Like I I need to kill this dude. I need to get rid of this guy. I'd even feel think, slighted. Go ahead. I think they might good villains though like ones who are kind of not really villainous or, or even good in a twisted way um one of my favorite villains is uh, solidus snake from uh, sons of liberty who at his core is an american uh patriot and a, a libertarian who wants and to save the president. world from yeah and a former president that nobody who, ever mentions really yeah who wants to save the world from a greater threat than him, but obviously he does it in incredibly uh, barbaric and and, uh, wrong ways, uh, which makes him fascinating to me as a villain. Um, Sorry, I was just interjecting on Brad's thing. Those are my, I agree with Jim, those are my favorite kind of villains, the ones whose whose evilness, I guess, is questionable. Well, in fact... uh, You're not quite sure if they're, like, they're... in, In your circumstances, and from your point of view, they're probably doing something 
that you would rather they didn't. But on the grand scheme of things, they're not necessarily evil. Like they're just a little, I don't know. Yeah, they've got reasons for what they do. Yeah, I mean, they've the got best... justifiable reasons for what they're about to do. Yeah, it's a very common um, saying that the best villains are, are the ones who think they're the heroes, uh, and I, I always remember that. And as someone who loves uh, villainous characters uh, as a whole, it, I think it's a very important part of what makes a what can make a really good villain. I mean, it's not universally true. There are some ones who are just evil, and that works for them, but. I'm always drawn to a very tragic villain like uh, uh, Solidus or uh, Andrew Ryan. Mm. Uh, although that said, the the, the point about uh, <clears throat> villains that you don't directly interact with, it, it works very well. And one of my favourite examples of that is uh, Nobunaga from the first Onimusha game. Um, he's someone who you don't even see um, for the entirety of the game. He has no dialogue. You don't fight him. Um, you literally do not see him um, until 30 seconds at the end after you fought a boss who was not him. Um, but all the other characters talk about him all the time. And everyone, you're, all these demons you're fighting are working for Nobunaga. Um, and then eventually you fight this giant demon called Fortinbras, who is... I can't even... It's been years since I played it, but he was some proper badass uh, demon guy who was quasi-controlling Nobunaga. And then when you beat him, um, your main character is all weak and, and, and worn out. And then Nobunaga just slowly walks down the stairs uh, and looks at you. And, you, you know, this your character is on his knees and can't do anything, and the game ends there. And it was just a fantastic ending and somehow made Nobunaga, who wasn't even in the game, this fantastic villain. And of course, by the time Onimusha 2 comes around and you finally fight him at the end, it, it somehow feels even more important. It's like you finally get to see this guy who you've heard so much bad stuff about in the first two games. It, it really is a, just a fantastic example of, of what he was talking about. Yeah, I, I think that that is like ideal, that, that idea of this, this sort of the villain who, who sort of lurks in the shadows and, and everyone else always like, you know, really cowers in fear. Like it's always like, like you seen know, those, you know, um, sort of mafia movies or things like that, where it's like, uh, no, I can't. Like there's some, someone, the, you know, the cops arrest someone. It's like, no, I, I can't talk. He'll fucking kill me, man. He'll fucking, he'll break my legs or, or whatever. <laughs> you know. Can you please do a one man show? Yeah, you do that again, fellas. <laughs> Every character in Goodfellas. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe that'll be its own. Get your fucking someday. shine box, Amit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. But uh, you know, so that's that's. You just you just reminded me of Clarence Bodiger, by the way. I just I just want to throw that out there. Can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think that was a merciful action because Bobby was kind of fucked up, and 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 the most that Bobby could do right then. Clar- Clarence Bodiger and and merciful have do not belong in the same sentence. Are you kidding me? No 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 no. That 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 whole that is not a merciful. He was going to kill him. He tried. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to put him out of his misery. Did you notice that Clarence didn't shoot him one fucking time until the end? He oh, see, the- I was, I, no, I just, I realized, I was like, who the hell are you talking about? I, I still have to see Robocop. If you, if you, if, if Brad's saying something, just assume by default it's not Robocop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. In, in terms not of, right. But- Refute that point. I just did. <laughs> he lets, he lets, he didn't. He, he, lets he didn't shoot like, get shot to shit for like an hour until he just gets bored. He's not like putting him out of his misery. He walked he just gets away. Bored. He walked away. He didn't even fucking look. <laughs> he let them be the evil guys. Yeah, 
And he let Robocop fucking book him. <laughs> Tell me how this guy is fucking evil. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, that, that's... Dude was just trying to survive in old Detroit. That's all. <laughs> Dude was just trying to make it out with OCP before they wrecked the entire fucking place and built new Detroit. Um, so, yeah, no, what, what, what Kasabin was saying I, about... I went in an argument but, with Anthony. This is the first time. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, no, you've got, you've, you've got me. I haven't, yeah. I haven't... Oh my god. I'm, you've... Guys, mark this time. Adam, do you have the time? I haven't made as close a reading of Robocop as you have. You've, your, is, your Robocop knowledge right. far exceeds my own. Oh my! Okay, uh, all right, I'm done. My, my favorite GDC memory is still uh, when we were waiting for someone to come back for milkshakes or something. Uh, Brad explained the entire subtext of Robocop to me in like two minutes. It was <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Um, um, was yeah, that, but was that that prompted by anything, or was he just like, "Oh hey, look"? We, we were bored, and he's like, "I'm gonna fucking watch Robocop," and he just had it on his on his uh, laptop. He just like fucking <laughs> and went to the scene in the locker room where you're going by and you see all the chicks with the tits, and nobody reacts. He's like, "This is the fucking theme of the movie. This is what Robin was talking about." And like, see, went, like just j- j- just like, and, I and he skipped to the part where Robocop shoots a guy in a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, where exactly. is I don't I don't leave my well, house without. That's the core of the film, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> I don't leave sure my house is. without a Yankee cap on. Brad Nicholson does not leave his house without a copy of RoboCop on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. It's on my um, iPhone drive. <laughs> but but what I was saying is is that you know um, you know Kasabin's point about the the villain that that is this sort of uh, sh- figure that's shrouded in mystery is is you know really valid and, and that I think is it always makes for a great villain. But then you know you've got to um, sort of like worry about the line where you have this like. Uh, like sort of nameless, faceless opposition, you know, and that that's sort of taking it too far because then, because another Cause point that he cares, right? Because he ma- he makes the point in the article is that you know a lot of the good villains not only as Jim as Jim was saying not only you know do they think that they're doing the right thing or that they're the hero, but you have to like empathize with them in in some way and you have to see how they could see that they were or they could believe that they were in, in the right or, or whatever, you know. Um, instead of just being like these, uh, you know, like fucking, I like I love Uncharted Two, but um, Lazarevich is like just a big bad in that game, you know. Yeah, um, yeah it's the Ganondorf factor, basically. Like yeah. fantastic look, utter badass, but he's got no reason to be doing anything he's doing. Yeah, but but again, like the the, the problem with except of- in Wind Waker when he explained when. Why he was such a dick, and that is also why Wind Waker is the best. Well, that's because Wind Waker is awesome. Yeah, but in any of the others, he's just oh, I'm going to steal this because evil. I think Um, I think what's really important too for at least for me for villain is that they actually exist outside of cutscenes and voiceovers that they like influence your gameplay in some way like i mean andrew ryan is important beca- not only because like all the you know the radio stuff but like every single thing you see in rapture and interact with in, in with rapture is like an extension of andrew ryan like the fucking you know the, the the vending machines that sell ammo like that's fucking andrew ryan capitalism first you know do whatever you want fucking be cool um like and or you know in a more direct way like gameplay wise like pyramid head you know every time you meet pyramid head it's usually not in a cutscene, and it's it's you fighting him, and just the fact that he's completely invulnerable, and your only option is to run, like tells you so much about who he is, and makes the impact of his appearance that much more um, 
it, it affects you more directly because it's not like, oh, you know, the villain showed up in a cutscene. Like, I wonder what will happen after the cutscene ends, which is what I feel like, you know, with most, I, even though I love the Metal Gear Solid games, that's how I feel about the Metal Gear Solid games. It's like, oh, okay, there's Ocelot. Maybe at the end of this cutscene, I will get a little bit closer to him and listen to him with a fucking, you know, laser microphone or something. Like, every time Pyramid Head shows up in Silent Hill 2, it's time to get really fucking terrified because you are going to either run really fast or you're going to die right then and right there. And I think the more they can actually. See, I was. Yeah, I was going to bring up the uh, the whole. Uh, the, I, I've I've brought up like the unconquerable villain person that you have to run from so many fucking times on the show that I didn't want to do it again. But that's that's something else. I really I, I like I like when I'm really afraid of a villain, you know. And and most games do not inspire that, you know. And and it could be for any number of reasons. It could be for uh, you know, the fact that you know they're they're kind of a caricature or they're just all you know not that fearsome or they're like circumstantially villainous but not necessarily inherently villainous. Um, or even uh, the fact that, that most games are about being the most powerful guy around, and it's kind of hard to be exactly, scared. Right, right. I, um, one thing I'll bring up is that I, I did like – I didn't much care for uh, – I forget the motherfucker's name. Uh, the villain uh, in um, Zone of the Enders. The guy who at the end you just – The robot? Uh, no, no, no. The dude in the robot. Um, he's uh, – what's that? The robot's like name is uh, – What's that? Sounds like some meta shit, man. You if just we're talking Hideo Kojima then, yeah. <laughs> the dude in the robot, man. Um. Anyway, so so basically, by the time you get to the end of the game in the first zone of the Enders, you you still can't beat him. He's still too burly, and uh, it, it, you don't get a chance to actually take him on until the end of the second game. And when you do, you pretty much you pretty much have all the abilities that that he had at the end of the first game. And it's still a really difficult. You know, I was supremely satisfied by that, and because it, by by that time they had built up the whole. You know, there's no possible way I can beat this motherfucker thing over the course of two games. Um, so the buildup was such that that was really satisfying. But the idea of being afraid of a villain or 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 um, or going up against uh, an opponent that I know I can't beat and having to find ways to either get out of the situation or you know, not, but none of this bullshit like, oh, he's fucking invulnerable. But wait, if I shoot that you know yeah. thing up there and drop the crate on his head, you know. Bullshit, you know. Resident Evil Five. Yeah, exactly. It's all very there's there's shoot at the light. Of, there's a weird element of Deus Ex Machina when it comes to final boss battles because they build uh, enemies up to the point where they're just like, I am unstoppable. I am godlike, and it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you shouldn't have fucking fought me in a factory with like suspended <laughs> by cables that I could shoot. And he's like, you know, oh like, my hubris as he dies. I, exactly, oh my hubris, no. Yeah, it's and that shit happens all too often, and I think that I, you know. I for for that to be a big payoff for the ability you know the the whole like I just beat somebody who's fucking insane to have uh, you know and and crazy and awesome and huge and in incredible like for that to be rewarding to me I actually have to feel like I've accomplished something so in in a lot in in a lot of ways um uh the the circumstances by which you actually engage with a final boss or, or a villain or what have you can have a definite impact on how I feel about that villain um, just because if it's if it comes together in such a way where I feel like I sort of cheated, like the game wanted me to cheat, just like yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, he's he's like the new god or whatever. But you know, shoot this fucking cable and you're set. Um, that I always walk away feeling very, very ill at ease about that shit. And just and those encounters are always very anemic. Um, yeah, Resident Evil Four is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, with every battle up until that point being you know pretty interesting in terms of uh, actually having to play well and they're you know quite difficult and blah 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 that one it's just gimmicks have a habit of really neutering a boss but i want to see more i 
just I'll just say it again because fuck it, I say it all the time, but I'll say it again. I I want more unconquerable bosses that I have to run from. That those are always interesting encounters to me. Going back so. to what uh, Smith was saying about Uncharted, I thought the interesting thing was that like in terms of like villains, like on almost every axis that we're judging a good villain, like Flint and Harry Flynn was actually a pretty decent villain, and he's the one you don't fucking fight at the end. Like you have that whole sequence where he's leading you with a gun and like every time you try to press the button to take his ass out, he'll just like hit you. And like gameplay wise, that was such a great way of getting me like frustrated and making me want to kill this fucking guy. Cause it's like, you know, it, it just, it's not, it's not a cutscene. It's not dialogue. It's like me in the fucking game having nothing to do, but just run forward and let this dude do whatever he's going to do without me being able to fucking fight him. And then they're like, uh, we don't actually have time to make a boss fight with this guy. So he's going to kill himself in the cutscene. Sorry. Bye. LOL. Um, which was kind of irritating, but like I don't know, Harry Harry Flynn was was interesting for me. And not only that, but um, I don't know if you guys played Jedi. I, I'm sure you did play Jedi Outcast. I don't remember the fucking villain's name. I think it's like Revan or something. He looked really stupid. He had a dinosaur face. But Revan was in Knights of the Old. Yeah, yeah, it is. But either Wait, way, he's, he's which one's Jedi Outcast though? Is that the first person shooter? No, that's the uh, third person. Well, it, well, it goes from first person shooter to you get a lightsaber, and then it's the greatest Jedi game of all time. That people well, maybe still that was Jedi Academy that I'm thinking about. Well, Jedi Academy is like the sort of spin-off slash sequel to that. Oh, okay. So they say, like, like, there's a there's a great point. I mean, like Jedi Academy is just fantastic for reasons I can't even go into. Uh, like the Desan is that or yeah, just, it's on. Uh, there we go. It's on. I'm just on, I Wikipedia it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> on. Um, he, he's he's like dialogue wise, he's like ridiculous. His story doesn't make any sense. His narrative is fucked up. But there's a bit where before you find your lightsaber and get your force powers, you get a chance to fight the guy. And it's like, it's one of those, you know, unwinnable boss fight or one of those unwinnable scripted fights that are kind of irritating in most games because it's like, why can't I just fucking fight this guy? Oh, he's got like, you know, invulnerable armor for whatever reason. This is stupid and unfair. But like, it, the, the way that he fights you actually feels kind of fair because you're just some schmuck with a gun who gave up your force powers forever ago. And he's a Jedi, he's a Sith or whatever with a lightsaber and fucking force bolt. So every time you throw a grenade at him, he just pushes it back at you and it just makes you fucking hate that motherfucker. Nice. And makes you really want to get your force powers back. So by, by the time at the end of the game, when you have your lightsaber and all your force powers and you're like on the same plane as him, like power wise, like it felt really fucking satisfying to go toe to toe with him at that point. The, the, the power dynamic shifted in a way that I thought was really cool and it had you know it wasn't a cutscene it was it was gameplay i'm um, trying to think I, I have a really cool example just coming off what you were talking about earlier yeah i don't know if you guys are familiar with enter the matrix it's a totally oh, yeah. game yeah okay i i don't remember the uh, the circumstances leading up to this either i was using uh, some kind of cheat code like buffs like to make my health larger or maybe you can go back and play the game after you beat it the first time but i i became obsessed with killing an agent yeah like this was my thing and like there's one level where you're fighting kind of like in an apartment building where the front wall is like completely torn down for some reason and like here's here's my setup like i got my guy all jacked up i'm like okay and we're gonna go and like it i'm I'm sitting here fighting this agent just getting my ass kicked for like 10 minutes but i'm holding my own right so i'm feeling pretty good he's dodging every bullet of course and eventually i get him towards the edge right and and somehow he he goes to kick me and he fucking falls off. <laughs> Killed an agent. Like I have no idea if the game actually registered that. Like, <laughs> I just I just remember like being like, dude, I fucking threw him out the building. It's over. I fucking killed an agent in the Matrix. That is, was, that is pretty awesome. I, I will say, you know, Enter the Matrix gets a lot of shit, but that whole scene where you're running away from the fucking agents who are just appearing out of nowhere, that's a fucking great scene. I thought that was a good game. I, I really think it was a solid product. It was what really turned me on to like kind of the new Atari. <laughs> I mean, it, I can understand why people think it's awful, but I, I do get some enjoyment out of it uh, for whatever. Right. Um, 
But and uh, does anybody have anything else to say, or do we want to move on? We're moving on. Or are you going to say something? No, I was, I, I was going to say I think we about said as much as we can about okay. that topic. <laughs> um, so XCOM is coming back, and it might not be what it used to be in terms of being like a oh, top-down tactical. It's not. They've, they've said it, it is a first-person shooter. Yeah, it's That's a first-person the press, shooter. The press release said. <laughs> right. Uh, an FPS reimagining, I think they called it. Something okay. like that. So has anyone played XCOM, or did I just waste all of our time? I have. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I played it, it for two minutes. It, it, it doesn't seem to have aged well. I loved really it, gone. but I was always really, really horrible at it. Like, I even had the sequel, the Terror from the Deep, when you do the exact same thing, but you're underwater. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I, I Before I had the game, I actually played the demo, because I had this demo disc that had it. You know, it's all about strategy, building up uh, your team. I would always just, like, randomly um, start up a new level and just uh, make my scientists, like, work really, really hard so they can quickly discover how to use all the alien technology. And so... It's all about. Are, are you are you irritated that it seems to be completely switching genres, or was there enough about the franchise I mean, and the story I'm, and the, the world that you like? I mean, I'm not not a, the biggest fan of T, uh, 2K, but that's just me personally. And you know, I, I don't play many strategy games, and I'd I'd, I'd probably be more apt to play FPS than a strategy version of it. Mm-hmm. But um. I mean, well, sp- so, sorry, no, I'm g- g- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to speaking speaking of uh, like you know you're saying you you're not really you don't like 2K games like th- that was another weird thing with the announcement where they were like yeah 2K Marin the people who brought you Bioshock 2 are developing this game and then you're like wait no except it's not quite 2K Marin. Um, Brad, you, did you do the story on that? Because I, I yeah I we we found out later and yeah. like a like a bad journalist I forgot to follow up. Actually, both both branches of 2K Marin were both sister sites. Uh, fucking what are they, sister businesses? Sister, sister. But anyway, okay. So 2K Australia and, and 2K Marin are both working on the title. And it is both like they are both hardcore working on it, apparently. So that's, that's the actual story now. They're okay. working in unison on the same thing. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was just like weird, how, like the way that the, the, the press release announced it. There's like 2K Marin, and then people were like, wait a minute, what? So, so I mean, I. Originally, people were like, "Wait, so is the B team on this game?" But no, I mean, I guess it, I guess it is the people who did bring you Bioshock. It is the B and the A team, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat as as Adam. You know, I I know that the original game is like you know really uh, beloved. I always used to see it on like lists of the best games of all time, whatever. But I I wasn't PC gaming back in those days, and um, it's, you know, hearing that it hasn't aged well, I, I figured it wouldn't have. And I'm not really a strategy guy anyway. But, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I don't like to dismiss things out of hand, sight unseen. So, you know, like, it could be good. Well, I'm, I, I'm a whore, so I know I'll buy it. I'm a whore for things I like. So, regardless of how, I mean, I bought Alien vs. Predator and Turok. Ouch. <laughs> well, technically, I didn't buy Alien vs. Predator. Somebody bought it for me. Wait, Alien ver- or Aliens versus Predator? With the newer one or the older one? The the bad one. one. The, oh. the most recent one. Okay. That no one likes. Yes. Okay. But, um, yeah. Did I mean, Jim give it, it like a ten? <laughs> probably. Oh no! Wait, Jim hates games. It was probably a one, right? <laughs> is he not? Oh allowed? shit! He's not here. So this is even better. Jim, even better. No, it's fine. 
You can keep hammering on him. I mean, he is. He's, he's, yeah, I guess so. Dude doesn't like games. I <laughs> fucking noticed that. It's just like you. When you get a job in the industry, it's amazing. All you got to do is hate games the right amount, and then the one company you don't hate anymore will approach you with a job offer. So, got a guy good right, I am here. You just didn't hear me when I responded. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you over your hate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jim. What did you say? What? Okay, here, here's what oh, I'm going to say. No, I'm nothing, over... nothing. I was just too busy giving Mass Effect 2 a 10. <laughs> I <think it> was... <laughs> Apparently, that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, really, I should have gave that game a nod because, you know, I pointed out that I had a flaw or two. Of course, the readers jumped on so it. Open letter to... to Gearbox right now. Open letter to Gearbox. Dear Gearbox, I just beat Anthony in a game of Logic. No, it was not a game. It was an argument about RoboCop. That is is the only metric by which you get a job in the games industry. Then you would be like higher than Bobby Kotick right now. You would be god of video games. I've beaten Anthony with my mind. (laughs) I can beat him with my muscles. I was going to say. Pretty sure I'm a little bit better at video games than him. And... I, I don't could probably, I could, video games. We should, we should so, play Conviction. I could probably beat you Conviction. I don't know, man. I don't even own it. I'm pretty sure I got you. I'm sure <laughs> I'm but, yeah, but anyway, Gearbox, if you actually, need Actually, you will not be able to beat Brad because he literally can splinter cells. He'll <laughs> 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 just make a clone of himself to, to co-op against Submit, that was Submit, that was too good to be greeted with a sarcastic laugh. So <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> So back to the topic of uh, XCOM, um, uh, it it was very, for the time, it was very immersive and atmospheric. That's the one thing it has going for it being with 2K, because, you know, as much as Bioshock is, I felt Bioshock was generic, it had an incredible atmosphere. Yeah, you're like one of those three people on the internet that feels that way. It was just a generic shooter. No, I'm not blaming you for feeling that. I'm just, you know, it's, it's always a rarity to like, you know, like it's, you know, it's like somebody's you don't not like obsessed with it. The smell of flowers or something. Yeah, yeah. I still think Bioshock Two is a generic shooter. I haven't played it. I, I like the atmosphere in the story of the first one. I like the gameplay of the second one. That's that's just where I fall on that. Oh, I gotta. I should play that. <laughs> Shut up, submit. <laughs> and now, see, now I'm, I'm like Ebert. I'm just being a troll now. <laughs> <laughs> Except you can talk. Um, oh shit! Oh shit! Uh, okay, so we may, we may have news, but I'm just gonna read a question that we got, just because it's a pretty good question. Um, VG Freak One Two Two Five wanted to know: Has there ever been a game that you didn't care for when you first played it, but later in your life you returned to and ended up loving? Man, that's a deep question. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not as deep as was Clarence Boddicker truly a villain. Well, he wasn't. That's obvious. Did I not? Did we not already discuss this earlier? Or was he's, I somewhere he's else? Definitely a villain. If Robocop kills him, he's a villain. He didn't kill him, doesn't he? Come on! I can't remember anymore. Okay. Well, listen. You know what I'm staring at right now, though? You, you would be proud of me. I just Please. got this in the mail. It's a DVD of the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. The, I don't know what. What is that? What? Oh, okay. You just lost all your cred. Sorry. So do you it's want Peter me to Weller. It's Peter Weller playing an interstellar cowboy slash scientist slash samurai. Holy slash shit! Star. How did you not know this existed? I don't, I, dude, did you see him on Fringe last week, by the way? No, I don't watch Fringe. Dude, but okay. Buckaroo Banzai, what, you need to get on that. I, apparently, man, I gotta remember that shit. But dude, he was on Fringe last week, right? And he was a guy that was a time traveler, okay? And I'll just get this. 
he builds like a shield into himself. So like half the scenes are him playing like funky eighties music, like fucking like putting metal parts into his chest. It's so amazing. I, I've never. I, I mean, he still looks good. Like he could still be RoboCop. In fact, you know that remake, make him RoboCop again. I don't give a shit how old he is. Like even if he looks like fucking terrible by the time this movie comes out, put him in the suit. <laughs> put him in it. Or you know what? Have two RoboCops like Prime Directive. <laughs> Except that one RoboCop is kind of purple. I'd much rather have like two blue, bluish gray RoboCops instead of like a purple RoboCop. That's kind of so, weird. Speaking of Peter Well, did you watch the the season of Twenty Four that he was on, Brad? So you, do you do, want me yeah. to answer the question? Yes, please do answer the question. <laughs> oh, okay. Resistance oh, okay. to right. everybody like hates we interrupted him. Peter Weller talk. Yes, yeah. <laughs> for video games. Brad, you were going to be host when you were a host. Not, every host single yet. episode can be nothing but talking about the themes of RoboCop Two and how it is actually subtly. Superior to RoboCop One. That's what. That's what. It's fucking not. Pod's by the way, I, FYI, I know it's ED two hundred nine. But yeah, the ED two hundred nine is it? No, he's in the first one. It's a different thing in the second one. Yeah. Resistance two, Adam. Right? Yeah. yeah why I, I got it, and I didn't care for the first time, but then I played it through again, and I enjoyed it more. Why? I don't know. It's just some maybe because I had a maybe because I put a lot of hours into the co op, and so that kind of gave me love for it because the co-op was the best part of the, the whole package and so I guess I liked it a little more after that and also read the book that didn't hurt for me it'd probably be MGS3 I hated it I hated it uh, the first maybe two, two times I played it and then I went back and I played it on extreme difficulty and it became a completely fucking new game like it became good uh, I still don't give two shits about the story as much as I try to but the uh, the survival stealth gameplay is so much more fun, uh, especially in subsistence when you don't have the worst camera in the world. Um, but in extreme, oh, it's great. Is that is that a thing? I was, I'm just curious. Not that I, I have this game where I'm going to play it on this. I was just curious if like realistic and Splinter Cell is like much more challenging and better a better experience like in MGS3. Um, I, I I can't play uh, Splinter Cell Conviction on normal. It just feels like cheating. Like every time I screw, I mean, because it's 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 a normal that is designed around let's not completely punish the player for fucking up once, which okay. is fine. Like I'm totally, I'm perfectly fine with that. I just prefer to play in a way that really forces me to think about things before I do them and play really strategically and intelligently. And realistic affords that more so than than normal does. I'm gonna skip this question and use my time to say that Clarence Bodiger killed himself at the end. Like with the okay, Robocop stabs him in the neck, basically. Right? That's pretty much but killing. Really, but really, it was it was Bodiger's greed. That no, him. That, I think it was the spike in Robocop's hand. No, 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 <laughs> man was in Artery. Look, Robocop and Bodiger had no beef. He the, still stabbed the guy. I'm just saying, if you stab me, because he stabbed I, him first. I, if you stab me and then I shoot myself, that's not suicide. That's that's you stabbing me to death, and then him, so I, I blew my head off. Those are two separate things. We can we can finish this up after the show, we but we'll can. record it so I can. Why are these real- noises <laughs> happening inside my ears? The, the, the winner gets my job at Gearbox, essentially. I, I, I will write that down. But no, anyway, seriously, like apart from me and Adam, does anybody have an answer? Because this is, I think, it's an interesting question. What was the answer? Question? What the fuck? <laughs> has, has there been a totally game? Has there been a game that you didn't care for when you first played it, but then later in life you returned to it and ended up loving? Um. Probably, I hate to do it after you just did, but Metal Gear Solid 4, probably. I was uh, kind of disappointed with it when I first played it, possibly because it had been so overhyped by that point. Um, second time I played it, absolutely adored it. Um, 
yeah, so that is that. Topher, submit. Maybe Majora's Mask. I fucking hated that the first time I played it, but then I went. I got a walkthrough and went back and gave it another shot and actually really enjoyed it. Was it like the stress of the time limit, or or was it just not? Being- it was not knowing what the fuck was going on. Like, right. how can you play that game without a walkthrough? Mm-hmm. The moon is going to just- crash into you after three days. I mean, you could play it, but it was like it. You just you felt like you were missing something if you didn't have some someone to tell you what the fuck was happening. Which is fine. I mean, if that's, that's a design choice, whatever. If you want to do it that way, if you want to make your game all convoluted like that, but I played it again with a walkthrough and I really loved it. But I didn't like it so much the first time I played it, just because I had no fucking clue what was happening. Mm-hmm. I guess Street Fighter as a series for me, uh, Street Fighter Four really turned me on to the uh, fighter genre like big time. I really got into it because it was just so uh, accessible. And then I played Street Fighter Two, uh, the HD remix that they put on the live, and really enjoyed it. Whereas when I, I originally had like Street Fighter Two Turbo or some iteration like that, I just didn't didn't dig it when I was younger. Submit. I can't think of anything, unfortunately. So skip me. Okay. I'm terrible. Um, Kira Blade wanted to know if any of us are going to be showing Sleep is Death stories or Mario DIY games. Have any of you gotten Mario? Uh, or sorry, WarioWare DIY. Have any of you gotten that? Dear Nintendo, please send me that game. Karunga asks, what's hairier, Reverend Anthony's face, Adam's face, or Hamza's arms? This has an answer, and it's Adam's face. If you haven't seen the video of him mm, eating a double down... Yeah, I don't think anything is you will hair. Be, I mean, Hamza's arms are pretty hairy. never say that I have a long beard ever again yeah. as you see Adam's beard. Uh, yeah. I don't you know those furry things with legs and eyes from McDonald's promotional material? That is Adam, basically. Grim- Grimace? <laughs> I think it's no, yeah, not Grimace. The, right, the fry guys. The furry things with the sneakers. Guys, right? Yeah, the fry, and they look, the fry they look like They look like big hair with legs. That is him. It's- yeah, or if you, if you saw episode four of the journalism show when Adam was at the beginning and his beard was like out of control, fucking crazy, and some of you might have seen that and been like, what the hell's up with Adam? It really looks like that. I didn't make that up. No, it's, that's, 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 like that's an accurate that, depiction. The of journalism Adam, show is a documentary, as far as Adam Dork's fucking facial hair. Yeah, his beard really looks like that. Um, Lindy's gone, so this is no good. But Brad's here, so this will work. Um, What's up? Ammo L three two twenty for everyone that plays maybe plays Final Fantasy. A few months back, Lindy and Brad both said that Square Enix was winning them back with Final Fantasy twelve. I was wondering about what made it so enjoyable to you guys. I just beat it for the first time, and while the battle system is different, there is a lot of grinding to be done, and I feel like it has less strategy involved as opposed to ten or something. My favorite part about it was the story, which really kept me interested. Oh, and Balthier is a badass. So, Nicholson, have you had a chance to play, like, 13? Has that changed your opinion of 12? And what was it about 12 that you really dug? And... All this right. said, I I think twelve gave a lot of the power back to you, uh, just in terms of the combat system. But but even even when it did, you know, because you could use macros to set up moves and stuff in combat. But even then, you could also just still personalize it all. Or I, I excuse me, not personalize. You could personalize move, but you could also automate it at the same rate. So you really never got too burnt out with the battle system, unlike in Final Fantasy VIII, where you had the junction magic for fucking ever, or, or Final Fantasy VII, where you're always tinkering with materia. And I know that's like a fabled game. I'm not supposed to say a shit, but I tell you what, Final Fantasy 13 at the end uh, at the end of the day for me was bad. Like that was a bad game. So of course, Final Fantasy 12 is going to look better. Mm-hmm. I, I I just liked how open Final Fantasy 12 was, and and some of the characters really were were terrible. And I think the reason everybody sticks with Balthier is because he was really the only actual character in the game. Everyone else was just your typical JRPG kind of one sided person. 
Well, the whole deal with that was that it was originally designed by a different guy, right? And he wanted Bosch or whatever his name is to be the main character. And then <laughs> they were Bosch like, is. Or whoever, whoever the, like, the cool older soldier guy is. It was Bosch. Yeah, but like he was originally, but that guy was originally going to be the main character, and it was going to be like even more hardcore into the automated, you know, really non Final Fantasy esque combat system. And then they got halfway through, and presumably found out the game was too good, and then like threw him out, and then made him <laughs> play as a little douchebag kid that didn't matter. Yeah, dude, that that fucking kid was the reason I I couldn't finish Final Fantasy thirteen. Like I just could not run around as that kid anymore. I was like, I don't care what happens to him. I hope he fucking dies. I don't <laughs> want to know. What, yeah. Hope in Final Fantasy thirteen? Twelve. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I was getting confused with snotty assholes. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about Square Enix games, because when I was younger, they were okay. But as, as I grow older and I play these newer, newer games, Final Fantasy twelve was okay. It was an okay JRPG for me. But I, I just, I almost don't have any respect for that company anymore with what they release. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X fell flat. Eleven was terrible. I've never played a grind fest heavier than that. And uh, you know, Ten Two was like, who the fuck would even touch that game? Did anybody actually ever play that game? Did anyone buy I that game? I actually really like Ten Two and Joseph Larray. Really yeah, I was gonna say if Larray was on here, he can defend that thing to the hills. That game had a fucking. I mean, it was corny as hell. It was stupid, but it had an awesome battle system, and it was just a lot of fun to to grind and and. Uh, I like the character that sounded like Tim Curry in it. <laughs> wow. The I'm actually surprised. There are your two legs, little girl. He was funny. <laughs> but otherwise, I wasn't too keen on it. I mean, I, I wish I could, I, I could get in more depth about Final Fantasy XII. It's just been so long, man. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, Brian Keljor has another Final Fantasy-related question. He says, why do people keep listing Seth? Oh, Lizzie- God damn it. You'll deal. Why do people keep listing Sephiroth as a decent example of a villain? If anything, he's just a mom's uh, boy who's crying out for attention. Aren't there better examples of villains in the Final Fantasy series, such as Kefka or Kuja? No. No? You like Sephiroth? He's okay. I mean, he's a fucking Final Fantasy villain. He's just an evil dude. I mean, really, we, we get so stuck on Kefka, right? Like, what did, what did he do other than have like, some corny little 8-bit opera? Fair, that's a fair point. I mean, I've, I've never cared about any of the Final Fantasy villains, but I've always found it weird that people... That, that, that nine times out of ten, if you go to any sort of, you know, anime form or, or video game form, that at least four people will have that image of Sephiroth walking through the flames as their avatar. Like, I'll, I've, nev- I've never understood why that is so ubiquitous, why people find Sephiroth so interesting. It's like he's well, but a- no. He wasn't even the bad guy, right? It was Genova? It was Genova like, or whatever the fuck. But right, the, the, the weird floating Hojo thing. Hojo was the, the true villain of that game. Hojo was the Yeah, the real I'm, I'm with villain. Jim. Okay. I'll buy that. And he was cool. I'm down with Hojo. All right, but, but really is interesting. Okay, uh, Go ahead, Jim. I just, I, yeah, Jim, you have seen <laughs> something. Batman. <laughs> Sorry, I turned into. <laughs> um, Sephiroth was interesting. He was. Um, I don't like to jump on the, the the shit train that everyone jumps on with him. I thought he was a good, a good villain with um, a very unique. Um, goal he wasn't he was neither a truly evil bad guy nor was he a uh someone who thought he was doing exactly right he was just this incredibly disturbed person who had been kind of fucked with um in very unfair ways and was kind of doomed from birth um which is interesting and i think i think the only thing um that truly uh held him back was square enix went overboard with him um part of what made him so uh, good as a 
as I guess not a villain so much as a, an antagonist, uh, was the mystery of, about him. Um, but of course, he then featured in all sorts of games. They resurrected him just for six minutes at the end of Advent Children, just to have him there, uh, which yeah, was awful. That was it was bullshit like, too. Yeah, he shows up, has a fight, and goes away with no rhyme nor reason to it. Um, then they do the uh, Crisis Core, which. I just thought was completely, from a narrative perspective, unnecessary. Uh, like, introducing characters that don't really seem to fit the original Final Fantasy universe, but fit Square Enix's modern-day everything-is-a-glorified anime um, storyline. Uh, but they went so far into Sephiroth's past that he had no more mystery. Um, and I think that that happens a lot with, with villains. Um there's a reason why many slasher films have their villains in masks because there's something about the mystery that really works and it kind of is spoiled when the the mask comes off and you see a face whether it's jason's potato head or michael myers is just a normal guy face um once you overdo um a villain and then go too far into his past you take all the mystery out and all the threat from him uh he's got no no more allure i think that was really Sephiroth's only problem. And part of that was, as you say, all the fucking avatars of Sephiroth going into the fire. He he got so overplayed and it kind of wasn't the character's fault inherently. It was the fans and Square Enix who just yeah, haunted him true. out. It's kind of cool to hate Sephiroth just because everybody else does. It's not that he's a really shitty character. It's just that you're sick of hearing no, about yeah. him. Yeah, he was a fine character. I, I will defend him. Um, but... Just I, he was overdone by Square Enix and, and the fans, and, and then that generated a lot of backlash. But as he appears in Final Fantasy VII, he was a fine villain, and I, you know, I, I totally disagree with with him being a bad uh, character. Okay, um, that's pretty much it for Pod One Forty Seven. Uh, I want to thank Aaron Lindy, who's not here, uh, Simit Sarkar, Topher Cantler. Adam Dork, the lovely Adam Dork, Brad Nicholson, and Jim Sterling, and you for listening. And there's a forum, podtoid.com slash forum slash destructoid.com slash forum. Yeah, whatever. I'm on my way out. Yeah, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> we got some <laughs> fucking website. I'm going to go work on video games. Uh, I'm Anthony. <laughs> I'm Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking smart. I got a job in the industry. Um, 